This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And in this episode, I want to talk about a verse from 1 Peter chapter 1. It's a few verses, and Peter is trying to write and help people to understand that there's a bigger picture than what we often see and think of as we just go about our daily lives. And so he says in 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 23, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For, and then he quotes a passage from Isaiah. He says, All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And then Peter adds this ending to it. And this is the word that was preached to you. And when I read through those verses and I think of this idea that he's referencing Isaiah, that all people are like grass, and then the comparison with that is that grass withers and flowers fall or fade. People what he's trying to help us understand. People, our accomplishments, our stuff, our goals and hopes and dreams, that stuff doesn't last forever. And, you know, I started to think about how we live in a unique time in human history. You know, living in the developed world, we are uniquely able to kind of insulate ourselves pretty well from the reality of this fading and withering, right? But for most of human history, death was viewed as really a natural part of life. It was the end. It was what happened after you had lived. But we've kind of disconnected ourselves from that idea you know, I, everybody would admit like, oh, yeah, I know at one point I'm going to die. But to talk about life as passing, as withering and fading like Peter does and like Isaiah did is not really the way that we think of life. And this idea was sort of hammered home for me in some ways. Uh, my grandpa on my mom's side, he passed away, I think it's been three-ish years. I'm so bad about time like that. I think it's been around three years ago now. And he wasn't really part of my life uh, for most of my life. He had left uh, my grandma and remarried. And in a lot of ways, it sort of felt like he had chosen that family as his family and that my mom and our side of the family was not a huge priority for him. And in fairness, and I think in a move that took a lot of growth and courage and those kind of things, 
in the last maybe four or five years of his life, it really did seem like he was making an effort to get involved, not to a huge, huge degree, but to get involved in our lives. And I remember one of the, I don't know, I don't know if it's maybe one of the first times I had sat and had a real extensive conversation with him, but it was one of the few times I had an opportunity to do that. And he told me about what it was like for him growing up, and he shared stories. If I remember right, it was two of his siblings had passed away when they were young, like childhood and early adolescence. And then one of his brothers had passed away in the 18 to 20 years old range, somewhere in there. And he was talking about this really matter-of-factly, not like dismissive of their deaths, but just, yep, almost in a sense of like, yep, this is just the way that the world was 70 years ago or however long ago it was. And afterward, my dad and I were struck by that. We were talking and we both were just realizing like, wow, the world even that short of a time ago was way different and death was way more involved in people's everyday lives than it is today. Because technology and medicine and science has advanced a ton in that time, which is awesome, and has helped make health the normal thing that happens for us instead of having to fight off things that took people's lives generations ago. You know, there even, if you go a little bit further back in history, a lot of the early um, early immigrants and settlers that came to uh, America at the time, the New World they were calling it, um, about 40% of those people died before they would even reach adulthood. You almost can't even wrap your head around that figure. It's like, oh, wow, that is just a crazy different world that people were living in than the one that we live in now. And all these advances have helped us to be able to kind of keep death and the idea of death at an arm's length, right? We don't think of that as a very real possibility in our daily lives. And then I started thinking of, you know, the way that we're able to um, offer nursing homes and those kind of retirement, um, not communities, because that's more people still living independently, but retirement, um, or not retirement, but I don't know, nursing homes and rest homes, that's the word I'm thinking of. And you know, it's great in a lot of ways because then um, the grandparents usually in our lives or the parents, if your parents are getting up there in age, they have the opportunity to go and live in a place that offers them the exact care that they need while at the same time allowing them to have the maximum amount of freedom that at this particular stage in life they can handle 
and also to be surrounded by other people who are in a similar circumstance in life. And they have things in common and they have probably a shared history of what was, you know, what happened at different stages of their development in life and all those kind of things. It's awesome in a lot, a lot of ways. But I think that on some level, what that also does is it removes us from ever really seeing what it looks like that just like grass and flowers, people fade and wither and decline. And because we don't see that play out day after day after day, it's really easy. None of us would say, yeah, I think I'm going to live forever. But it's really easy to put out of our minds this idea that death is part of life. And if you think about it, it even goes a step further than thinking about that as far as people eventually dying. There are a lot of people today who would say that, you know, they're against hunting and they're against any kind of killing of animals, but they still want to have their burger and they still want to have a chicken breast and they still... So we've got this disconnect going on. And, you know, if you think about many, many Native cultures from all over the world, I'm thinking of Native Americans because that's where I grew up and that's the culture I remember learning about in school. A lot of different Native American cultures had some sort of a ritual, some sort of a ceremony when they would kill an animal that they had been hunting where they would celebrate and in some ways kind of thank the animal for its sacrifice so that they and their family and their tribe could eat. And they understood that there's this strange, especially strange to us today, connection between death and life. And when I think about that, I think of how key it is for us to remember this juxtaposition between us, people, the grass withers and the flower fades, that's like us, and then God. Because then what comes next in that verse is, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And, you know, it, it got me thinking, I don't, I remember the site that I found this originally on, but for some reason I can't find it again. There was a question on one of the blogs that I check pretty regularly, and it said, will X person, this person, will they pass the, I think it was 1,000-year test? So this article went on to discuss Okay, a thousand years from now, will people know someone's name? And if you think about that for just a moment, it really starts to sink in how people, we really do kind of fade, 
right? Because I think for a minute, you know, who are some of the biggest people in our culture, in our world right now? And you think, man, yeah, of course, a thousand years from now, I'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who doesn't know who Michael Jordan or Barack Obama or Donald Trump or, um, you know, whoever is popping into your head. I'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that didn't know who those people were. But then you think, man, in a thousand years, is their fame, is their name even going to be known? And so what I did is I thought, okay, what are a couple ways that you could measure kind of who is the most well-known, who's the most famous, who would have the best chance of being known in a thousand years? So what I did is, and I know that this is not a, not an exact or even a good way to get at the question that I'm, answer, I'm asking here. But I thought, okay, who are like the most followed people on Twitter? Because that would at least give a sense of who is pretty well known and who's pretty famous and who a lot of people are interested in. And so I went and, um, let's see, I think this is, like as of September 2018. So some of these numbers when you listen might be wrong, but it's pretty close. So the number one account that's followed on Twitter with 107 million followers is Katy Perry. And I thought, okay, obviously Katy Perry isn't going to be known in a thousand years. She's known now for being a great singer and for being really pretty. And then number two, 104 million, Justin Bieber. Same deal, right? Being a good singer, being really attractive. Number three, with 102 million followers, Barack Obama. Now, I, I was trying to think, it's possible that in a thousand years, he would be still known and celebrated as being the first black president of the United States. But then I was thinking, okay, maybe not, because I'm guessing a lot of you, like me, you learned in school the song to help remember all the presidents, right? Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Madison, da-da-da. I'm not going to sing. But once it gets a thousand years from now, do you know how long that song would be? I don't think people are going to try to memorize all the presidents that we had. I think they're going to go, okay, George Washington was the first. Abraham Lincoln was the one who freed the slaves. Kind of hit the highlights, right? And maybe Barack Obama will be in there, the first black president. But I kind of think in a thousand years, people maybe have heard the name, but don't really remember anything beyond that. And then moving on in the list, uh, 88 million followers, Rihanna, 83 million, Taylor Swift, 77 million, Lady Gaga. Same deal, right? Those three, well-known for being beautiful people and for singing. 76 million followers. Next, Ellen DeGeneres, known for being a comedian, hosting a talk show. That's not going to last. Cristiano Ronaldo, 75 million followers. 
Um, known for being really good looking and being really good at soccer. Probably not going to be known in a thousand years. Justin Timberlake, 64 million. Are you seeing a trend here? So Twitter obviously isn't probably the right place to find the answer of who might last and be known for the next thousand years. So I thought, okay, maybe if I just Google, like, the list of the most influential living people. And so if you do that, the first result that comes up uh, goes through and breaks down the people who have been one of Time Magazine's 100 most influential people. And it lists them in order of who's been on that list the most years. Okay? So the first person on that list... Uh, was Barack Obama. We already talked about him. Second on the list, Hillary Clinton. Will she be remembered in a thousand years? I, I can't imagine that. Next, Oprah Winfrey. Again, Oprah's super famous right now. I just don't see it lasting forever. Then the next few are world leaders of different countries. Uh, Xi Jinping, the leader of China, Angela Merkel, the leader of Germany, Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea, Vladimir Putin, the leader of Russia. The final one that shows up at just at the little Google snapshot, I don't know what you call it, Jeff Bezos, the leader of Amazon, right? Those people, um, you know, I, I'm guessing that if I asked just about anybody who was the leader of China 200 years ago. Not a 1,000 years ago, 200. Okay, how about Germany? How about North Korea? How about Russia? The huge, huge, huge majority of people would have no clue. I would have no clue. I think North Korea I might know because they didn't exist 200 years ago. I don't think. But I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. So to think of these names that dominate the headlines, that are all that some people spend their time thinking about, right? What is my favorite celebrity doing? Now, you know, reading through that list, there's the, the Twitter followers, those people that I read their names of, those aren't a lot of people that I spend a whole lot of time thinking about, right? But I've got people that I spend a lot of time thinking about. You know, I love the NBA, so I'm like, what? How's Michael Jordan? How's LeBron James not on that list? That's crazy. Those guys are going to be known forever. But in a thousand years? Probably not. And when we think about life, with this perspective, which is what I think that first Isaiah, and then quoting it, Peter, is trying to help us see, is that the stuff that we spend so much of our time fixated on, the desire for us to accomplish, to achieve, to get our name out there, it's not going to last. Because what happens with people, all people, is 
the same thing if you take a longer time horizon that happens with grass and flowers we fade we wither we don't last forever but the word of the Lord endures forever and then I love that last little line there in verse 25 and this is the word that was preached to you you see what Peter is helping us to remember or maybe what he's pointing out something that we haven't really thought of in the first place is that if we spend all of our life focused in on us if we spend all of our life focused in on our own achievements and accomplishments and glory or if we spend our life focused on other people and their accomplishments and their achievements and their glory we're missing the bigger picture because we're focusing in on and holding on to stuff that it's not going to last it's not even really going to matter all that much in the grand scheme of things but the word of the Lord endures forever so when it comes time to decide priorities that we have in our lives the way that we want to live today with um, kind of our focus and our goal and our orientation toward something if we're making that toward what other people think about us toward what other people are aware of when they think of our name are we well known the status that we have that stuff it just doesn't last but the word of the Lord endures forever and we have the opportunity to, I, I really believe each of us probably does it in a slightly different way, but we have the opportunity to let the people around us in our lives know that there's a whole bunch of stuff that we can spend time chasing that we know it's not going to satisfy. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And I think that there is so much peace and so much comfort when we really believe that. Because so much of what gets us unsettled and upset and anxious and focused in on the small scale stuff that in the big picture doesn't really matter, it's stuff that's going to wither, that's going to fade. But in the moment, it feels like such a huge, big thing. And it gets us so thrown off kilter, and it gets us so focused in on things that really don't matter all that much. But instead, Peter's trying to help us reorient our perspective to be focused on the word of the Lord that endures forever. It's a really amazing line to think of this that God is the foundation he's the thing that we can trust 
when nothing else is going to last, when nothing else seems or feels or in reality is reliable, that we can lean on him. It's, it's such a beautiful and comforting and simple line that comes right at the end of this reminder that we spend a whole lot of our lives, as Jesus talked about it in a different way, uh, building on sinking sand, building on a foundation that isn't going to last. And if we're spending time, if we're prioritizing these things that a thousand years from now aren't going to matter, that a thousand years from now no one's even going to have any clue about who we are or what we accomplish or anything like that. But what lasts are the things that are eternal. The word of the Lord, our relationship and surrender and sacrifice of our pursuits, of our goals, when they don't line up with where God wants us to be. Because that's what matters and that's what lasts. And it's hard to keep that perspective. But I want to remind you and I want to remind me at the same time that what lasts forever is the word of the Lord. Let's go live like that's true. <laughs>